What's up, cool cats and cuties? This is the Promenade Merchants Podcast, a Star Trek podcast out on the frontier. So sit down and grab a rock to Gino as David Majors and Heather Kirby talk all things Star Trek. Old, new, and what's to come. The Promenade Merchants are open for business. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 35th episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast, the scrappy underdog in independent Star Trek podcast. I'm David Majors, and I'm joined, as always, for the 35th time, Miss Heather Kirby. What's up, Heather? What is up? I, I can't believe we're recording our 35th episode. And you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie, because I'm just remembering this right now. I did a little giveaway special contest thing on our Twitter page, and I forgot to draw a winner. <laughs> Because I said we would announce it on the 35th episode, but I totally forgot to draw a winner. So I'm going to draw it tomorrow. When the episode drops, then uh, it will be posted then because I, 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 I forgot to choose a winner before we so, we so as you're listening to this, Merchants, listeners, you will know who won the prize. You will see who won Heather's Star Trek Discovery tote bag. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at PromTrekPod to find out who won. But Heather, as this is the yeah. 35th episode of the podcast, and every five episodes or so, we like to bring a guest onto the promenade. I make an extra cup of Ractagino, and we bring someone along. And this gentleman here is someone that I had the pleasure of meeting not too long ago when he invited me on his podcast, Confer Culture. So please, everybody out there, welcome Mr. Chris Murphy. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, super excited to be on. Uh, I love I love everything Star Trek, which is obviously why I'm on here. But I've been excited since uh, you emailed me and asked me to come on. I yeah, just stoked. So yeah, and and we are stoked to have you. So let's just jump <laughs> in. So for new listeners of the podcast, we do the Promenade Merchants podcast with a little bit of a format. We start with old business, which is classic Star Trek from the original series up to and including the Kelvin movies. Uh, we'll jump to new business, anything that's happening in the world of Star Trek right now. Uh, and and let's be honest, there's a lot happening with Star Trek right now. Uh, and upcoming business, where we look, pun always intended, to Star Trek Beyond, even though we didn't like that movie very much. Wait, no, that was the good one. That was the good one. I take that back. I'm so excited that we have a guest, Heather. I'm so fired up. I, I'm legitimately excited because, honestly, there's there's just a lot. There's really a lot of Star Trek going on, Heather. There's a lot. Well, you know, and it was really exciting to, especially because we kind of planned it to have the guests for this episode, because we finally have new Star Trek to talk about, as well as all the other exciting news coming out of FTLV this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to have a good episode. I think we are. So let's just start with the old business. Now, over the last couple of days, I have been checking out the YouTube channel for uh, Rowan J. Coleman, uh, if you're familiar with him, who has been doing this great long-form retrospective on the entire Star Trek franchise. Uh, and he here's the thing that I, I was wondering about this. 
And he's doing this great long retrospective, putting out these great documentaries about all of the movies, the series, uh, and the most recent one was Deep Space Nine. And I was wondering, now recently, uh, Chris, I'd love to ask you this one first, uh, with the recent uh, documentaries coming for Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager coming out, and with so much that has been examined, uh, especially mm-hmm. with celebrating the 50th anniversary and now the 55th year anniversary, what do you think of Star Trek overall, Chris? Would you say that you'd like still to be examined and looked into? Well, uh, I personally haven't had a chance to check out his his YouTube channel. Now, you, were you talking official documentaries, or are you talking like YouTube produced stuff, or just anything? any kind, anything at all? Let, let's if there's something out there that you think is due for a Star Trek deep dive. I'd really like to see, and uh, maybe CBS All Access will do this, like Disney's starting to do with like the Marvel stuff, where they're starting, starting to, and with the Mandalorian, in fact, where they're starting to do a like that kind of retrospective, like the yeah. a panel thing. I'd okay. like to, uh, yeah, and so just maybe some of the people who are involved. With, I've always thought that uh, Undiscovered Country is like kind of um, doesn't get enough credit. To, like to me, like everybody, it, when they think of the Star Trek original series movies, Wrath of Khan, and uh, for people who don't know, David was on my podcast and and we ranked all the Star Trek movies and and the most the, our favorite was also Wrath of Khan, but in the top three was Undiscovered Country because it's uh, it's an amazing like kind of mystery film and uh, the like everybody's got something to do the plot's really great and. The comedy is good. The villain's great. Like everything about it is really, really awesome. And it's the, I know technically a few of the cast was in generations to kind of pass the torch, but that's like the last official, uh, original series, uh, altogether cast movie, uh, where, and, and it's funny they bring up Marvel because they kind of stole the signatures. I joke about it. They kind of stole the signatures at the end of uh, Endgame from, uh, undiscovered country, but I'd like to see kind of like a little panel like that, just kind of the way Marvel is doing with their, uh, franchises right now on undiscovered country. Personally, I think that'd be neat. Okay. That, that would re- be really good because, uh, I was just watching, uh, the, the video on the undiscovered country right before we started And the thing that always really interested me is the fact that Christopher Plummer actually had a long-standing friendly rivalry with William Shatner. And they were they were friends. They they worked in the theater together. They did Shakespeare together. And I found that to be really, really interesting. And Mm -hmm. just how so much of that film a lot of times almost didn't come together and the fact that it came out as great as it was is really something really something to look into so i think that's a really really good choice on your part because uh especially like Thank at you. the time <laughs> it was on 1991 and yep. at the time the next generation was really kicking into high gear and for that movie to have come out when it did i think it's it would be a really good time to Especially now that it's been about thirty years, yeah, definitely. I think that's that's a really good one, uh, Heather. How about you? If there was something left in the Star Trek franchise that you would like to see a, a deep dive on, what would that be for you? 
Well, I, you know, I, I think the most obvious choice for me, uh, since we're getting like documentaries celebrating the 25th anniversary of Deep Space Nine and then Voyager, uh, this year happens to be the 20th anniversary of Enterprise. So I think like diving into behind the scenes stories behind Enterprise and some of the stuff that the cast had to deal with would it it, it would probably be very drama filled, <laughs> but it would be interesting to see a lot of their perspectives and their opinions on that show and how it sits today because it it's one of the shows that doesn't get a whole lot of love from the Star Trek universe. Um, but I mean, there's there's plenty out there who love it, but it, it it rarely comes in someone's top tier when it comes to Star Trek shows. And and there's some really interesting reasons for why that happens. And I think that also the dynamic between Enterprise and the shows that came before it uh, are really interesting to discuss and look at. So I am waiting. And hopefully for five years, the Kickstarter that happens for the 25th anniversary of Star Trek Enterprise, because I will contribute. <laughs> and, and I'll just chime in with the requisite. It's been a long road getting from there to here. Like, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. uh, I, I, you know, a little bit of feedback on that. I'm not huge Enterprise fan, but um, it's a really good choice in your part, because I've read like a little bit of the history about the show and how the execs changed from Paramount during like it was around the time of Voyager and especially with Enterprise, it was rife with studio interference. Like they wanted boy bands on all the time and like all this, they, they just, they, they, with the other shows, they had an exec who were, who was like, just kind of do your own thing. You guys get Star Trek. We'll just leave you alone. And this one came in and just wanted to put their fingerprints all over it. And so it was just such a, it was, yeah, like to dig into that, I think would be, an interesting thing to do. So, yeah, I, I think so, too. Sorry, I don't mean to take like the wind out of your sails, David, but... No, that's that's perfect. Uh, what would really interest me about Enterprise and the production behind it is just... I'm going to say his name. Rick Berman. And <laughs> ju- just in general, what the hell was he thinking? Just in general. And number two... Uh, after Enterprise was canceled, uh, we had a long, long drought of episodic Star Trek television. It was 18 yeah. years, and it was, it was a long drought. And it makes me wonder, what was the decision behind the idea of the Star Trek franchise needing a break? Uh, what, what was in Paramount's mind when they made that decision? And kind of the idea of when what was going wrong in the end of Enterprise, we all know the final episode of Star Trek Enterprise, and just the thought process behind what happened there. There's a lot about Enterprise that uh, over time I've really grown to like that just makes me wonder what happened, you know, what, what happened there, what went wrong, because you could start to see as the show went on that they were starting to form something. And even now, you'll see the cast members of Enterprise at STLV. You've seen them, and they're all 
kind of welcomed into the family like all of the other shows, but it is because it only got four seasons. There are things that make you wonder what happened. There are a lot of questions about Star Trek Enterprise because Voyager got seven seasons. Deep Space Nine got seven seasons and has really come on in, in retrospect over time as being more acclaimed. And of course, the next generation was a juggernaut. But Enterprise is really a mystery. And I think that's a really, really good choice on Heather's part. I think that's a really good one. Um, well, for me, and, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, there's one more thing I want to add to that. Like <laughs> you, you talk about the Enterprise cast, like being involved in in huge conventions and STLV. But when you look at them, it's always the same handful of people, and there's certain main cast members who don't want to be involved with Star Trek. And I, that's yeah. why why I meant when I said like there's going to be drama when it comes to telling these behind the scenes stories from Enterprise, because I think there's a lot of crap that went down mm-hmm. as to why certain people, uh, Blaylock in particular, but also Bakula really doesn't want a whole lot to do with it. So yeah, there's, there's, there's some stories there that need to be told. For well, sure. I, I, I feel like, um, there might be a little bit of resentment towards because like I remember watching the captain's documentary where they were where he mentioned that he nego- he negotiated only being on set for a certain amount of time because he hated doing 12 or 16 whatever hour days when he was doing quantum leap. So I'm wondering if there's like a little bit of well I've got a, the rest of the cast I have to be here all the time and he doesn't. Yeah, that'd be interesting to peel back too. Um, yeah, like. The other thing I'd, I'd also just like to say about uh, Enterprise is that uh, before all, before a lot of people started hating Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks, uh, Enterprise was the cool show to hate on and uh, <laughs> complain yeah. about uh, the, their lack of continuity and their the messing with canon. I remember right. the, the the transporters and the people complaining online about how they shouldn't have worked in that time period. I remember that. Yeah, and before that they complained about Voyager and before that they complained about DS9 being on a space station yes correct we'll always be Star Trek fans that hate Star Trek (laughs) yes which I don't understand but but we're gonna move on because we've got plenty (laughs) new Star Trek to enjoy in new business Star Trek's Lower Decks season 2 is out and it premiered with its first episode, Strange Energies. Uh, this episode takes place a few months after the season one finale. Uh, Ensign Mariner and Captain Freeman are getting along. They're on better terms. Or are they? Also, Tendi thinks Rutherford is in need of a cybernetic brain drain because she's worried that he's changing and their friendship may not be the same. Uh, Boimler is still over on the USS Titan with Captain Will Riker, who is just loving life. And I absolutely loved the B-plot of this episode, guys, where Ransom, Commander Ransom, for a a brief moment, became a god, a a vengeful god. Uh, Heather... Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Put in really, really quickly and say, I love the Gary Mitchell reference in this episode. It's great. Yes. (laughs) 
There was one particular reference in this episode that I absolutely loved, and it was right at the beginning, where Mariner was doing her workout with the Cardassian escape. Yes. Yep. Where she mentioned, I know we're not supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, but I don't like her. And, and they were talking about my dear, my sweet, darling, and Dorian Jennifer, and who, who I'm so happy is back. Don't ask me why. I just think it's great that there's <laughs> an Andorian named Jennifer. It's just It just tickles me. And yes, as we all know, part of Gene Rottenberry's vision is that the Federation and Starfleet and all of them aren't supposed to have interpersonal conflicts, but, you know, if you don't like somebody, you don't like somebody. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, this... I loved the B-plot, but I'll get back to that in a second. Heather, Strange Energy, yeah. Star Trek Lower Decks. How, how'd you feel about this episode? You know, it was... It was fun. <laughs> it was definitely fun. Um, I love the opening sequence with her on the holodeck. Um... I, I, part of me wants Tendi to just admit that she's jealous and she kind of might have a little thing for Rutherford because that was obviously where that whole story felt like it was going, but then they kind of resolved it awkwardly (laughs) at the end. But considering they're both very, very much nerds in their own way, you know, that's realistic to resolve that shit awkwardly. So, uh, um, and yeah, this (laughs) part of me just really enjoyed the fact that, uh, Mariner saved the day by continuously kicking Ransom in the walls. Yep. (laughs) Yes. And then they dropped the boulder on him. Yeah. (laughs) Cause you know, dropping the boulder is what works. Is it just me or is that subplot with Ransom like the most TOS thing ever? And that is something about Lower Decks that I've really gotten a kick out of is that a lot of their B plots where the Cerritos has to go to planets and do things and fix things. They are so they are so 1960s pulpy sci-fi that they absolutely could have been part of like TOS or the animated series from the 70s but because now that we're in this day and age where it's so well animated and that's another thing i noticed the the bump up in animation quality in season 2 was noticeable pretty quickly and I feel like that just opens up so much more that lower decks can do, and that's that's really cool for me. Me too. I uh, I noticed. It's funny that you mentioned that because as I was watching the episode, I noticed right away that I'm like, holy crap, they're doing depth of field and like with with animation. I'm like because in the background, um, Mariner was kind of out of focus as they were on as they were focused on the captain, and I'm like. Oh wow, they're like upping their game and doing like depth of field and focusing in 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 animation, which is I'm like, oh, nice. I appreciate little stuff like that, little details like that. And speaking of the captain, Captain Freeman, uh, I love her and Mariner together. 
Like the mother daughter energy is just so entertaining. I love Don Lewis. She's a phenomenal voice actress. Uh, Tawny Newsom is fantastic. Uh, if you saw the little video of those two at the premiere where they were just kind of uh, playing around, going back and forth, like the, the chemistry between those two is really a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to how that dynamic with Captain Freeman and, and Mariner is going to progress as the season goes on. Um, but let's go to Boimler for a second. Uh, he, he wasn't <laughs> in this too much, but he was living the dream, as it were, being on the USS Titan with Captain William Riker going on all sorts of crazy adventures, and he's clearly horrified. Yeah, he hates it. <laughs> He hates it. Yes. I was going to say, too, he was in the holodeck simulation at the beginning, and um, uh, Mariner was leaving him behind, and he's like, you need to rescue me. They just keep showing me lights. I, I got to kick out yes. that one, too. <laughs> How yeah, that many lights? Yeah. They just keep showing me lights. And then they she leaves the room, and he's like, ah. He's, like, blinded by the, yeah. Uh, so right at the beginning, and then right at the end, uh, um, yeah, they do a third third being shot at and they're going to travel. It looks like some sort of wormhole or anomaly or something like that. And Riker just does this big jazz uh, metaphor. And Boyman was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> it was pretty great. You can yeah, tell he, jo he, Jonathan Frakes is having the time of his life. Like, th oh, that's yeah. the thing you can see from a lot of lower decks is that everybody is just having a blast and it really comes through. Yeah, for sure. I I know like I know a lot of people like not a lot of people. I know some people complain about it or whatever. Like the you know it's too much like Rick and Morty or it, it cuts too quick in between jokes. But I'm like it's just a frenetic style. Like it's 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 kind of its own thing set in the Star Trek universe. It's a lot of fun. And actually, I've shown like a couple episodes to my daughter, and it's kind of like getting her into Star Trek a little bit. So it's kind of like an entry for for. For me, like kind of getting the next generation, as it were, uh, made a little pun there, into Star that's, Trek. <laughs> that's the plan, especially yep. with Star Trek Prodigy. This is it's all about getting new eyes on Star Trek and <laughs> enriching lifelong Trekkies to to keep them to keep them energized. Uh, Heather, uh, yeah, how are you feeling about Star Trek Lower Deck season two, and how do you think they're going to work into some of these things? Because it looks like they're planting a few story points, like with Tendi and Rutherford, and however that's going to go. And of course, how is Boimler going to get off the Titan and back to the Cerritos, or, or maybe he won't at all? And what's going to happen with Mariner and, and Captain Freeman? Well, you know, I, I think uh, Boimler is definitely going to end up back on the Cerritos. Um, it, it, it's one of those instances where it, it's kind of like he got what he wished for, and now we realize that wasn't really what he wanted, because I think that amount of adventure and excitement that's coming his way on the Titan is just going to be completely overwhelming and anxiety inducing for Boimler. So I do think he's going to end up uh, back on the Cerritos at some point. Um, I also love the dynamic between Captain Freeman and Mariner. And uh, that was one of my favorite parts about this episode is just the two of them like tried to fake it. <laughs> like they could get along. They tried to fake it 
And then they just ended up being more honest with each other and be like, no, uh, we, we can't really get along that way. You know, you do your thing. I do my thing. Uh, I, I got to be the mom and yell at you at times. I, I can't sit there and agree to everything. So um, looking forward to more of them. I, I don't know how I really feel about Tendi and Rutherford. Like I said, that whole kind of plot line made me feel a little awkward and weird because it, it feels like they're trying to force something between the two of them instead of just sort of letting it happen naturally, uh, which would be kind of better. But it's also, like I said, it's something relatable to my nerdy self who's awkward around uh, other people and relationships. So I don't know. We'll have to see where it goes. Um, it, it, it was a lot of fun. It definitely was. Like I said, I'm not as big of a Lower Decks fan as you are. Uh, but I appreciate the show for what it is. And it, it's just fun. And it, it allows you to laugh and not take itself too seriously. And uh, I, I still like it, even though I'm not a huge fan. So um, I still And that's okay. It. It is fun, and it is lighthearted, yep. and you don't have to take it too seriously, but I will say, right now, Lower Decks has three different storylines, so Lower Decks right now is doing a little DS9-style serialized storytelling, so we gotta see where Yay. that goes, too. I, well, you know... I, I, sorry, go ahead. You know, it, it could honestly be very much like TNG or Voyager, and we're going to hit a big red reset button and just forget all these storylines happen next week. You never know. <laughs> That's true. I, I was going to say about uh, T- uh, Tendi and Rutherford, I hope I actually kind of hope they don't put them together. I just like that you can have a relationship on Star Trek where um, there's no like there's no romance. They're just like really, really awesome friends. And Tendi's like one of my favorite characters. Uh, she's become like, at least in the new shows uh, they at the end of last season when Rutherford lost his uh, memory and everything like that and they were going through how this is uh, this is affecting him and he was saying oh like who are you and she's like you mean you don't remember me at all and you expect her to be sad and then all of a sudden this is awesome I get we get to become <laughs> friends all over again I'm like I love Tendi Tendi's the best she's just like so positive and uh, she just like, yeah, she, she just doesn't let stuff get her down. And just the, the two of them, they're real. They're like a lot alike. But I just I don't know. I just kind of want them just to stay friends and they support each other or whatever and say, hey, that's what I would do, too. Like you keep expecting them to have like fights and stuff, but they just like they just kind of swerve into. No, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I think that's kind of cool. It's like a running gag that hasn't gotten old for me, at least. Yeah, see, I I like that idea of them being friends, too. And that's why that whole story, because it was built around, like, him not liking pairs, but then him also dating that other girl. So there was that element of jealousy to it. And I'm like, no, I don't want that. I just want them to be friends, you know? So that that was what my issue was with that. So I do hope they don't put them together and and they do end up just being friends like that because yeah Yeah, and at the end of the episode he's like yeah he's like yeah got everything adjusted never eaten pears again like (laughs) those things and i'm like nice good stuff something that doctor who fans and trekkies can all agree on 
We all say no to pears. Yeah. I'm not a pear guy either. Okay, so we we have lower decks to look forward to. Still no word on Discovery or Strange New Worlds or, or anything else. Sort of. But we're going to get to that in upcoming business because even as we were recording this and literally just a few minutes before we started, uh, there was some news coming in from the 55-year mission celebration in Las Vegas, colloquially known as Star Trek Las Vegas STLV. Uh, starting off with Patrick Kwakchun, who plays Lieutenant Gen Reese on Star Trek Discovery, uh, let out a little bit of info. Uh, various cast members of series are just kind of leaking little tiny bits of info. Nothing too major, but we're starting off with this one. Um, Patrick Kwakchun noted that Something that fans have been asking for of Star Trek Discovery since its beginning. And he noted that in season four, there will be more of the bridge crew in Star Trek Discovery in season four. And I know that on this podcast and others and and Star Trek fans all over have been asking of this, uh, more of Lieutenant Reese, more of Lieutenant Bryce, uh, Lieutenant Owosikin, and the entire bridge crew, Lieutenant Detmer as well, who had her little mini story arc in season three. And it's one of those things that you see these characters, they've been there the entire time, and you want things to be expanded on them, Chris. Uh, And I think this is really great news if you're a fan of Discovery. Yeah, I totally agree. I... At first, when I first read this, I was like, um, "There, we we don't see them now." But then, after your little spiel there, I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." So like more subplots and stuff like that, because they used to do that with TNG, all like or the other series, but TNG especially, like, because that was more like episodic and and they could do just contain little episodes around Worf or you know um, Troy or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, like I, I'm looking forward to this. I'm, I'm really hoping. I wasn't the biggest fan of season, like season three was decent, but still, I just found it was kind of uneven. And I think uh, doing some more stories around the bridge crew would be a way to kind of mitigate that a little bit, and you can have some more stronger, shorter story arcs. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for sure into this. I'm into this too, and Heather, I'd love to bounce this one off of you. I remember one of the big critiques from the original series was the fact that Nichelle Nichols and George Takei were there, uh, as was Walter Koenig, but they were really kind of glorified background characters to the big three. And with... What has come up with Discovery, fans have said they don't want these characters to be background characters or ancillary characters to the main cast. And I think that for the rest of the bridge crew of the Discovery, this is a really good thing for, for them. It's it's a really good thing for all of us. Uh, and yeah, I, I really like this because now they won't be what... Lieutenant Uhura and Lieutenant Sulu were back in the day. What do you think, Heather? Okay. Well, I'm not trying to disagree with any of, of what you guys said, <laughs> but I'm going to play Go ahead. Devil's... Disagree. Not, Go for no, it. No, no, no. 
Yeah. Because I, I, ultimately, I don't disagree. But I'm going to play a little devil's advocate and say you really can't compare the bridge crew on Discovery to uh, what happened on TOS because I like we have a larger main cast on Discovery. And so like the bridge crew are not people who are even credited in the main title sequence. Uh, I do agree that I would like to learn more about them and see more episodes with them. And I had a feeling that going into season four, that is something that could definitely happen because they've tried to do that ever since season one and just kind of insert some of them into uh, more episodes and have storylines with a couple of them. So you would get to know them a little bit better because one thing as much as Alex Kurtzman still isn't fired, <laughs> Alex Kurtzman <laughs> does listen to the feedback that the fans give him. And he's shown that through the evolution of discovery, that he is listening. He's listening to the fan feedback and he's trying to incorporate that into the show. So I do think we will see more of them in season four. I think the expectation to see as much of them as you would someone like Stamets or Colber or Tilly or Saru um, is a, a little bit high. You're still not going to see as much of them as you will our main credited cast on Discovery. But I, I do hope to see more of them and learn a little bit more of them in season four. So, Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think that's totally fair. I think that that mini story arc with Lieutenant Detmer uh, having problems dealing with the trauma of season two going into season three and her working through that was a good example of what you can get from the rest of the bridge crew. I think that's one example of something you can do. And I think that's something to look forward to. And I, I really like that they are listening to the feedback. Um, moving on to another bit of news that happened just a few minutes before we started recording. Robert Beltran, who played Chakotay on Star Trek Voyager, and th- this is one that Heather and I have hotly debated on this podcast <laughs> several times, uh, just debated announced... No. D- d- debated how, like, whether or not he's good or whether or not he's good on Voyager. Just... No. <laughs> I, I will say that that I am in the minority on Chakotay as a character. I'm in the minority. You, you like him or you don't? I do. I do. Okay. Uh, he he confirmed at STLV uh, just kind of in a he, he was very kind of offhanded saying, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm going to be doing some voice work for Discovery," and, and he just kind of let it slip out, sort of. Prodigy. So. Prodigy, right? Uh, he right. he just kind of very offhanded, uh, sitting at the panel just earlier today, just saying, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm gonna be doing some stuff for Prodigy," and that me personally, I think it's cool that he will be because Janeway is there. So to me, it makes sense that Chakotay would be there. I for me. What? Janeway, Chakotay, Chakotay. Be there, though, as another hologram. <laughs> like Janeway is a hologram. 
He in might the be. Delta Quadrant. Jakarta yes. should be nowhere near there. I'm so, mm, hologram. Okay. Hologram. It's all good. Hologram. Don't hologram. Worry. So hologram <laughs> yeah. Janeway comes home to hologram Chakotay on a daily basis. Is that what we're saying? He he makes her coffee. Every, every, ho, hollow coffee every day. He's got hollow coffee ready every, every day. D- don't forget he's there to tell her how uh, – he's there to question her command decisions and also tell her how he would have done it aboard a, a uh, Maquis vessel. Let's, let's not forget that. And very, very true. Very true. I'm, I'm, I, t- for the record, I'm kind of in the middle on him, but it's only because I'm not a Voyager guy. I think it's – I think it was a lazy show, but – overall but um he, he was fine in it <laughs> that's that's my I, yeah uh but my reaction to this was uh a giant bombshell has been dropped because he has not said kind words about star trek over the years he has not and he did not enjoy his time doing voyager which is yeah so yeah this is really surprising well Time yeah, heals all I, wounds, I guess. I, Go ahead, I, I'm Heather. Not, I, don't, I don't hate Chakotay. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Robert Beltran, personally. But I don't hate Chakotay as a character. I just... I, I'm not quite sure how that would fit in Prodigy. And, and I, I'm all for bringing back these legacy characters in these new shows, as long as it fits well. Is someone like Chakotay should be more than just a random cameo. You know, he, he should play an impact, especially on a show that involves Janeway that much. And I'm not quite sure how they're going to fit him into that. So I don't hate um, it. I just don't get it. <laughs> just coming maybe in. Maybe they'll bring just, him back for Picard because, you know, him ah, and Seven, right? I, I'm glad you <laughs> mentioned that. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> See, that is what we debated uh, about before. That, that, uh, that provokes the no! <laughs> but I, I, just, I just saw this coming in from TrekCore.com, who I believe is in Las Vegas, uh, at the Voyager panel. Uh, a fan at the panel asked, what happened in your imagination with Chakotay and Seven? And Robert Beltran said, well, if you saw Picard, I think we found out. So I, I have reason to believe that in his own way, Robert Beltran gets it. He gets it. That, yeah, it, like it's, it's pretty clear that, yeah, it's Chakotay and Seven together. wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was so forced. Like I recently, it's funny. I recently went back and watched a whole bunch of TNG and a lot of V Space Nine because it's my favorite. And then like cherry picking some Voyager here and there because there's only like really a handful of them that I really like. But the the, the episodes in season seven where him and 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 uh, seven are in a relationship, I'm like, this is so forced. You can just tell like yeah. that the writers just shoehorned it in, right? Yeah. Yeah, and Chakotay, uh, Robert Beltran himself is saying, "Yeah, that that was that was done and over with." And he, he's saying, "Yeah, we're we're well past done after Picard, so don't worry, guys. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. No, it's he, fine." He, he it all depends on how he said that, though, because there are C seven shippers out there who would take that comment and be like, "Really? Like turn it the the complete opposite direction, considering the." 
teaser trailer of season two, Picard showed Seven with a wedding ring on. Like, there, there are people out. They hear what they want to hear. Okay. But <laughs> like, what, ab- what about what about all of us? That. What about all of us that ship Chakotay and Janeway? Like, come on. Yeah, I always thought that was more natural, personally. But they just, I, I think, I don't think Kate Mulgrew wanted. Um, I, I think she would have probably fought that because I think she wanted a ca- like a captain who was on her own, like you know, like just oh, sending yeah. that strong. Yeah, I strong. She adamantly you know, didn't message. want that. She did not want yeah. a relationship um, that's with not another member of the crew. So yeah, not surprising to me at all. Uh, uh, but I was gonna say that hey, like of course the people will will hear what they want to hear. I mean, let's not forget that. Um, Chakotay loved her so much that when she died, he like basically he's he died from a broken heart when they got back to Earth in the original ending of Endgame, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that got oh changed. God, that's so that's so Thank lame. you, Admiral Janeway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just couldn't yeah. take the loss of, of of Seven after six weeks of being together. Um. Yeah. But yes, I mean, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm not gonna rehash like my. The, the whole my whole Voyager thing, but yeah. And and I will say to all of everyone out there that myself included that wants to see Seven of Nine and 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 Rafi. Rafi? <laughs> I blanked on that. Rafi, Rafi, yes, Seven of Nine and Rafi together. I don't think you have too much to worry about. We don't we don't know what's happening with Picard's season two yet, but I don't think you have a lot to worry about. Uh including with with Hugh. Jonathan Del Arco, who kind of, uh, Heather, I'll let you cover this one because I missed it. Uh, he kind of talked a little bit about making his way into season two of Picard. So, like, during the Picard panel, which was the first one of the day at STLV, uh, it involved Jonathan Del Arco, Evan Angoria, uh, Isa Briones, and Michelle Hurd who zoomed in to the panel and Jonathan mentioned that the strict COVID protocols that they had on set for Picard season two uh, were due to Michelle Hurd really fighting to make sure it happened. Um, for those, this is kind of a side note, but for those who don't know, Michelle Hurd is really involved involved in the actors union. Uh, you might've seen posts from Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz who are both running for positions uh, in the actors union right now too, but Michelle Hurd is a huge voice in that. And so she was the one who really pushed to make sure everyone on the set of Picard season two was kept safe for COVID. Um, Del Arco mentioned that, which kind of confirms that he was on set for season two. <laughs> uh-huh. I would have to think, I mean, he didn't come out and say it, but considering they really sort of mess with the timeline, it would be an opportunity to bring Hugh back. Now, I know uh, Jonathan Delarco's husband is an agent, and he's Jerry Ryan's agent. So that might have been how he was on set, and he wasn't actually working. But I would like to think he, he did kind of confirm he's going to be in season two. Because it, it would make sense, considering we know there's some wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff going on in season two. Um, I personally no pairs. Would love to see them. Yeah. I would love to see them uh, bring back Hugh and somehow undo the the death that happened in season one because 
I was really hurt by Hugh's death. I thought it was unnecessary and unwarranted. And so I would love to see the character come back. It is science fiction. Death can always be reversed somehow. Yep. Uh, so hopefully that was his way of kind of confirming that he was working on season two. But he didn't actually come out and say that. <laughs> yeah, they could always do flashbacks too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the other way that, yeah. And I mean, I mean, he'd still be, still be dead and they could do flashbacks or, I mean, as far, and I, you want, you talk about, you know, um, wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Q is going to be in it. So, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? Yeah, oh, no, we don't know. It, we have it, no idea what Q is going to do. Sorry. Exactly. And, so. And yeah, like I said, I, I'm just really excited about the fact that they hopefully, uh, will bring him back because it, that's one of the things that really bothered me about season one of Picard was Hugh's death um, because it was very emotional to see Picard reunite with Hugh again and then mm-hmm. you get to see him die two episodes later and it, it just seemed like a very unnecessary death it didn't really hold a lot of meaning in that instance and uh it, it it sucked. Okay, <laughs> it just yeah. sucked to see him die. Yep. It really did. So um, I'm hoping they can redo that, and and he will be back in season two in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, he's. Uh, it was like an artificial. It, it's like a, a very transparent way to artificially increase the stakes. It was really all it was. You want to talk about an uneven show like Picard? There's yes. a lot of. Yeah, there's quite a bit of it that I liked, and then there's a bunch of it where it's just like, really? (laughs) Star Trek Picard Season 1 was definitely a first season of Star Trek, and Trekkies will understand that. Uh, Whereas conversely, at least for me, Lower Deck Season 1 was just an absolute knockout. Star Trek Picard Season 1, not so much. Yeah, it was like... They laid some decent groundwork and I was invested in the story and then where they ultimately end up going, it's like I'm not sure how interesting I find this. Yeah. And a few of the few of the of uh, the few of the points on the way, like Killing Hugh or the episode the the one that kind of stood out for me was the episode where they where they all pretended to be smugglers and um Patrick Stewart's got like an eye patch on. It was just like really silly, like for no reason. And it's, I don't know. It was, I just found it super uneven. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to season two though. Cause you know, Q is going to be in it. So, and Guinan too, from what I know, what I can recall. And, so. and maybe Jordy, who knows? Maybe Jordy. I, I think even uh, is, I is, saw, is Worf going to be in it? I, I saw a little hint of Worf, Jordy, yeah. maybe even Gates McFadden. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is something to look forward to uh, with Star Trek Picard season two is just how much of the legacy of Star Trek history they're going to try and mix in, especially given that Q is returning. Uh, but there's a lot to look forward to right now with Star Trek. There's there's a ton. And it was a joy to talk about it with you, Chris. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Uh, tell us about Confer Culture and everything else you've got going on. So uh, Confer Culture is my podcast about pop culture, basically. Uh, I had David on, I don't know how many 
months ago or weeks ago, I should say, it was now. It was quite a while ago. We ranked the Star Trek films. Uh, kind of taken a bit of a hiatus in the summer because I've been really busy with my kids and um, just overall busy uh, moving. And so, yeah, I haven't done an episode in a while, but right now I've got uh, the second part of a three-part series of ranking the all the Marvel films, so all 23 of them. Um, nice. <laughs> we have, yeah, we have not seen this. We recorded it before Black Widow came out. And, uh, so that one is not included, but, uh, we just need to kind of finish it off and we got eight left. So, uh, you can probably look forward to that sometime in the next couple of weeks. And then at which time I'll be looking to get it started up regularly again. Um, yeah, uh, usually uh, release episodes weekly on Wednesday. So, uh, look forward to that, but check it out. Confer culture. You can uh, email me at uh, conferredculture@gmail.com, and I'm on Twitter at ABC Murphy uh, and Instagram at Chris underscore Murphy 40 and Facebook at Chris Murphy. So uh, anybody wants to reach out to me, uh, those would be the platforms that you can get at, at me. And uh, of course, uh, you can listen to my podcast wherever quality podcasts are carried. Thank you so much, Chris. Heather? That's another episode of the Promenade Merchants Podcast. Uh, let's wrap it up. Tell everybody about the contest and the drawing one more time, and I'll, I'll take it home from there. So go ahead. Okay. So I ran a little contest in order to celebrate, you know, we finally hit over 300 followers on Twitter. Uh, we're recording our 35th episode, and it just happened to be my 34th birthday on Monday. <laughs> So um, due to a little warehousing snafu, I got an extra tote bag from StarTrek.com that has this awesome artist's piece. Uh, The the artist is Rob Dehart. He was their featured artist for this month. And it's a piece that he did with the found family of Star Trek Discovery Season 3. So it features Stamets, Colbert, gray and adira and um it's really cool so we did a little contrast on twitter where people had to retweet and share their favorite uh moment of star trek discovery so far uh we definitely had a handful of people who entered i will be picking the winner tonight Since I forgot to do it before we recorded, I will be picking the winner tonight, and then we will announce the winner when this podcast drops, likely on Monday. So um, thank you to all of those who entered. Um, It was a handful of former guests who had been on the podcast, as well as uh, another handful of people who are quite awesome and hope to have them join us on the podcast soon. So maybe uh, our next guest will be whoever wins the contest. We'll see. (laughs) Okay. And follow along. You'll see the winner at Prom Trek Pod on Twitter. If you like the show, check it out wherever podcasts can be aggregated. Uh, Spotify, Google Music Podcasts, Amazon Apple Podcasts, just look for it by name, Promenade Merchants Podcast. And send send us an email at promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. That's promenadetrekpod at gmail.com. Give us your feedback. Let us know. Heather's great. I'm here. You know, it's fine. And 
yeah, just let us know. Give us a follow and join along. And until next time, everybody, walk with the prosper, live long and profits, and thanks for listening.